Welcome to the success. Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Lori Boyer. I welcome in my guest here today, Extension Educator with the University of Nebraska, Aaron Berger. He is based in Kimball, Nebraska. And Aaron, we are here today to talk about calving. First of all, when I think about calving, I think about cow nutrition. So what are some things we need to be thinking about when it comes to nutrition for, for the cows that are getting ready to calve out? And I know it depends on where they're at in their production cycle. So as we think about what stage of the pregnancy they're in, so cows that are in that last trimester, their nutrient requirements are really ramping up as the calf growing within them is growing really rapidly. So especially that last 60 days prior to calving, their nutrition requirements are really jumping. That's also a time of year right now where forage quality, like on corn stalks or native range, is pretty low. And so we have this inverse relationship. We have forage quality that's declining and the cow's requirements are going up. And so especially on young cows in particular, we got to pay attention to, are we meeting their requirements? That's, you know, really for people who are calving, you know, late February, March, if you're in like uh, May, June, you're still quite a ways off. So spring calving is a long window in the Northern Great Plains. What are indicators that we need to be looking out for to make sure that the cow is getting the proper maintenance and nutrition that she needs? Yeah, so we want to look at the cow's body condition score. You know, basically it's a measure of how fat she is. And so we like to see mature cows in a body condition score five, five and a half prior to calving. And we'd like to see two-year-old heifers closer to a six. You know, that's a good place for them to be. But we also just need to really probably be knowing what's the quality of the feed they're getting, whether that's grazed or harvested feed, and then looking at their nutrient requirements and saying, you know, where are they at? So, you know, at times we can use the fat on their back a little bit, but especially on young cows, as we think about two-year-olds, they can't physically eat enough sometimes of low-quality forage to meet their need because as that calf's growing within them, it's reducing or pushing on rumen capacity. So those in particular, we need to pay attention to especially if we're getting ready to calve here in February, March. Aaron, a lot of the country has experienced droughty conditions for a while now. What kind of impact are you seeing on forage quality and how do we mitigate that? Yeah, I think the challenge with sometimes actually drought forage quality is is not that bad. It's just we don't have very much of it. And that's the, the issue. So actually some hay tests I've seen have been pretty decent. But the problem is we don't have enough. So we're seeing people try to use other things like ground corn stalks, even where I'm at, bailing up weeds off of wheat stubble, trying to find anything they can, droughted out corn for silage. So I think the take home there is whenever you can, make sure you get feed tested so you know what you have. And then, you know, you need to think about what's, how's that match up with the cow's nutrient requirements and what can you provide to try to fill the gap? So I think one of the challenges for many people right now is uh, with this early winter in many places and much more snow than is typical, people have used harvested feed already that they'd plan to use later this spring. And so in some cases, we're seeing a real shortage of forage. And so looking at some things like limit-fed rations where we're providing something like corn or distiller's grains and limit-feeding the amount of forage uh, may be a needed option for folks to try to get through this because they just can't get forage to meet that cow's needs. Any more on that, Aaron? It's just some special management. You need to pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, visit with some specialists or educators, uh, consultants who've done that so that you know what to do. What about a health plan? Should producers have one in place? Yeah, I sure would recommend you have a health plan in place. Work with your veterinarian. Look at what's your calving system. If you've had any issues in the past, why have you had those? 
whether it's scours or enterotoxemia or something like that, you know, thinking about what are some issues we've had in the past. But I'd also say this year, again, we've seen a lot of snow cover. We're going to, in some places, see some muddy conditions just because of the amount of snow people have. So trying to think about how do we mitigate risk in a conversation with your veterinarian is a good thing to have ahead of time. And I think also, especially in light of conditions, maybe very different this year than what we're used to over the last few years. What are some other specific things that should be included in a health plan? It really should be comprehensive. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot of things that affect health. So we, we talk about things like a vaccination program, which is important, but nutrition goes into that, you know, how cattle are managed as a group, even things like calving, are we calving in a dry lot and pairing out? Or in Nebraska, we have what's called the Sandhills calving system, where we you know, continually move cows that are going to calve away from those that have, just because we know as calves get older, they tend to be shedders of viruses. And so they're infecting the young calves. So I think just really thinking about logistics, thinking about your system, you know, what are some risks that you have? A mineral program, are you in a place where the remedies antagonists? There's some places in the Northern Great Plains where there's certain minerals that are high, like sulfur, which can inhibit certain uh, absorption of minerals. And so those are, it's, it needs to be comprehensive, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's not just, hey, what things do I need to vaccinate with, but really thinking about the whole that impacts the animal in terms of health. What about facilities? What are some of the things that we should be taking into account with design, flow, heat, things like that? So as you think about facilities, I really encourage people to, you know, Think about if you're going to design something that you're going to need to be assisting a heifer or cow, it's really nice to have a head gate with fold out wings where you can peel those back. That cow can lay down if she wants to. You've got room to work. Thinking about moving a cow in and out, thinking about, you know, for that new heifer with her calf, how are you going to pen them separately? You know, maybe even putting up some things like some vinyl windbreak around the pen so that heifer is not seeing the calf next to her in the next pen and wanting that one. And you know, just some things like that. So, you know, making sure head catches and lighting are all in good working condition, you know, making sure you have bedding, good bedding supplies or, you know, some things to keep things clean. That's just really important. So those are some things to think through. You know, sometimes we haven't used calving facilities since last year and we sometimes forget, oh yeah, the light bulbs burnt out or, oh yeah, the head catch, the cable was broke on that. We need to replace that. So uh, oil, you know, things like oil and gates, making sure you have good lighting, you know, things like good flashlights, you know, things like that. So. When it comes to having to actually pull a calf, if you got to help that mama out, what are some best management practices you suggest for that? Yeah, this is a scenario where, again, I think you really need to work with your veterinarian and talk through uh, what what do you feel comfortable with? You know, there's some things around cleanliness. There's things about progression of calving in terms of stages of, of what we call parturition that you need to know and understand, recognizing a presentation that's abnormal. You know, so I think really a conversation with your vet is really good. There's some resources at the BEEF website, beef.unl.edu, uh, that shows some videos there of assisting a beef cow at calving that, you know, if you're not familiar with that, you can um, review that. But again, really encourage people to work with their veterinarian. Make sure you consult with them around what's their recommendations for assisting malpresentation or, you know, is it just the calf's too big or are we dealing with uh, maybe it's not presented appropriately? Is it is it backwards? Is it breach? Is it... Um, you know, you have a leg back. Why has that occurred? Are you dealing with twins? Are you dealing with a twisted uterus? There's a lot of things that can be wrong. So just knowing 
what you're seeing and then knowing what you would need to do to correct it. And then how do you involve your veterinarian if you run into something that's beyond your capability? What if you have to transport a cow or a calf or both? What are some transport suggestions you have? Yeah. So I think oftentimes, again, we're thinking about here, you know, how do we get the best outcome? And I assume you're thinking about if we need to take a cow to the veterinarian. So again, I think this is one where this often happens at night, right? That's so you need to have good lighting, be able to get that cow into a trailer to, you know, get her to the veterinarian. Make sure you have some good bedding in the trailer. Again, this time of year, it's cold. Make sure you have some things to bring that calf back with, you know, probably not a good idea to haul that baby calf right together with the cow in the trailer coming home just because she's going to be stomping around. And so, you know, how am I going to protect the calf? Some things like that. So just thinking through, if you haven't done it, you know, how are you going to do that? So, you know, you're in a good place to transport them and get them back. Aaron, when we suspect a cow is about ready to go into labor, what are some of the signs that we should be watching for in that cow? Yeah. So I think as we think about cows that are, you know, ready for calving, as you're checking those, it's, Again, are we talking about heifers? We talk about mature cows. So first calf heifers, we probably want to be looking at maybe every four hours. If they're in a up in a close situation uh, where we're needing to assist those. You know, I think as we look at, you know, anytime we're seeing, you know, cows starting to get ready for parturition, when we have them in a dry lot scenario, they don't have the opportunity to exhibit the same things they would do, do out in a more open pasture. You know, often a cow is going to go separate herself off prior to calving, a mature cow would. And then, you know, as she starts to go into the early stages of labor, are we seeing some progression? So are we seeing a water sack? Are we seeing some toes or a nose come? And if we see a cow acting like she's wanting to calve, but really not seeing much progress, then it's a time to bring her, bring her in and, and check her out and just see, you know, or is there something wrong? Is that she just isn't getting with the program? You know, those are some things to, to pay attention to. So, you know, I think it's, as you observe and see that again, visit with your veterinarian, but be watching for those signs. And then, you know, if something doesn't look right, trust your instincts and go get it checked out. So, you know, if you're not feel comfortable, find somebody who is, but oftentimes a little examination can help you figure out pretty quickly, you know, maybe something's not right and you just uh, jump the gun or we've got something going on here and this cow can't progress and we need to get some assistance. Erin, if we think a cow is in labor or we know she's in labor, what signs should we be looking for to know whether or not she's in distress? Yeah, so I think that's, again, have a conversation with your veterinarian. But, you know, if you've watched cows calve, they'll kind of kick at their belly. They'll, you know, go lay down. If you see a cow laying down, getting up, laying down, getting up, and you're not seeing any progress and she's laboring, you know, and you're just not seeing much progress, then you need to probably check that out. I would also say though, sometimes you'll see a cow go off by herself and she doesn't go into labor. And that also can be a problem. You think, well, she's false alarm. Well, maybe not. It may be that she's got a twisted uterus or she's got a hormonal imbalance and she just, she can't go into labor. And so just, I think uh, again, being aware, you know, you start to see a cow laboring very long and not much progress. You want to check that out. You start to see, of course, a hoof, coming out where it's the dew claws are up. That's an obvious issue. You got a backwards calf, but you know, again, a breach presentation, sometimes a cow is not ever going to deliver and that she may strain, but not make progress. And she can't because of the way the calf is positioned. Once a calf is on the ground, what is the best way to keep it warm, get the blood flowing? What should we be doing for it? 
Yeah. So I think, you know, we're in a time of year where we can have some pretty cold, wet conditions. And so obviously if, if the cow is uh, getting that calf up, bonding with it, getting it dried off, getting it up to nurse, I just kind of recommend leave them alone. You know, again, sometimes it's so bitter cold or things like that. You don't have that opportunity or that option, I should say. Uh, so, you know, I think anytime you assist a cow at calving, I would go ahead and milk that cow out or that heifer out and go ahead and give the calf colostrum. Uh, colostrum absorption is really critical in the first four to six hours. And the stress of a cow or the stress on a calf going through the birthing process where you had to assist, uh, there's a lot of data that shows there's just a lot of benefit to do that. So, you know, first choice is probably to do that with a, a bottle. If they'll nurse a bottle, that calf will. If that's not a very good option, then a, a esophageal feeder. Again, if you're not familiar with that, make sure you have someone who's trained to know how to do that well, uh, to help you know how to learn to do that um, is important because you can, you know, if you get claustrum uh, in the lungs, that's obviously going to be detrimental to the calf. So you want to understand how to do that. Uh, you know, then we think about things like, you know, if a calf is chilled, getting into a warm condition, that can be something like the floorboard of a pickup, you know, just the heat from that, getting it dried off, warmed up. Uh, a thermometer, a rectal thermometer, so you know what that temp is on that calf can really be helpful. Uh, you start dropping below 100, then, you know, that calf's in hypothermia. You get down below 96, 97, you know, how do we get that calf warmed up? So, you know, there's hot boxes out there. There's uh, warm water baths. You know, there's a lot of different approaches you can take. Uh, warm colostrum is probably one of the first things to get that into that calf just because you warm them up from the inside out, right? And so uh, we want to get colostrum into them quickly, uh, have it be warm. It doesn't need to be hot. You don't want to, you know, do damage, but it does need to be warm. And then, you know, getting that calf's body temperature warmed up, getting them dried off, make sure their temperature's back up where it needs to be before you take them back out and put them with the cow. But yeah, well, and these calves are pretty amazing. Once we get them dry and we get them going, uh, they can take quite a bit of cold. But again, wet, damp, cold conditions are can be pretty hard on a calf getting him started. What would be some common mistakes that people make when caring for a newborn calf and maybe share a couple of example stories with us? Uh, I think one thing I've seen sometimes that like if a calf's having a hard time getting started breathing, sometimes there's an old wise tale, well, it's got mucus in there. You need to swing it or hang it over a panel to clear its lungs. And that's the wrong thing to do. Um, that you're putting a lot of pressure on the diaphragm. You think about all the stomach contents and the gut contents pushing against the diaphragm, that's not helping the calf breathe. So uh, getting it into a dog sitting position where, you know, it's back legs are underneath it, tickling its nose. Uh, there's some other actually acupuncture things. There's some things out there you can see to stimulate that calf to breathe is, you know, I think of one that you want to look at. So yeah, that would be one. I think sometimes I've heard or seen people do, and that's actually the wrong thing to do to really help a calf breathe. You know, I think some other things is be real careful about bringing outside colostrum onto your place. That's pretty well known now, but we can bring disease in with that. And so I would really recommend only using colostrum from your herd or using a good quality colostrum replacement product. Those often are pretty expensive, but pretty valuable uh, in terms of the long-term health of the animal. I think just uh, being patient and, and recognizing when you, you're in a situation where it's beyond your capability. So being humble enough to say, hey, I've got something I can't fix, I can't handle, and getting help quickly, uh, there's often more damage done because, hey, we're just going to get this out and get it done than saying, you know, we're at a place where we're beyond our capabilities. Knowing when to 
call your vet and, and get them involved. So you hopefully have a good outcome for both the cow and the calf. Aaron, can you speak to post-calving cow care now? Yeah. So, you know, I think again here, I recommend you visit with your veterinarian, but, you know, I think sometimes we can see a cow that doesn't clean uh, right away after calving. So the afterbirth is still present. I think visit with your veterinarian, how they'd recommend you a treat or retain a placenta or something like that. You know, I think again, having cows in a clean environment as best we can, making sure they've got adequate nutrition, uh, paying attention to things like, you know, if, um, sometimes cows can have milk fever after calving. So, Again, working with your veterinarian, having some products on hand to uh, treat a cow if you need to do that, understanding how to do that if the vet's comfortable with you doing that. Again, planning nutrition is pretty important. Thinking about quality feed after calving and recognizing that cow's nutrient requirements are really ramping up. And so especially in that transition there, making sure we're meeting her requirements as best we can nutritionally. You know, I think thinking about after calving, sometimes I see people have calf huts you know, as a place for calves to get out of the weather. If you're going to do that, make sure you clean those regularly. You know, some veterinarians I work with talk about the knee test. So if you go into the hut and you get on your knee and it comes up damp, you need to clean that. And, uh, you know, clean, dry is pretty important. Uh, we get, a, you know, wet conditions in there and we're just encouraging uh, a disease scenario. So those are some things after calving to pay attention to. You know, again, um, Depending on when you calve, if you're calving in May and June, some of the things we talked about today really don't apply to you because hopefully we're not dealing with that kind of cold and we're able to spread cattle out. But uh, if you're calving this time of year, those are some things to pay attention to. Aaron, when it comes to breeding, what are some of the things that we should be taking into account as far as time of year for breeding and calving? Yeah, great question. So I think as you think about your own production system, you need to think about why do we calve when we calve? Uh, what are the reasons for that? And so if you're really clear on the reasons and you uh, are, for some people, a January, February calving season may be the best for them because of labor, because of feed scenarios, because of when they need to market cattle, That's that may make sense. For someone else, it may be May, June. For somebody else, it may be August, September. So understanding what your feed resources are, understanding why you want to calve when you calve. And then I think also if you've been calving at a certain time for a long period of time, why why are you there now? And so have circumstances changed? Have costs changed? Has labor availability changed? And so maybe looking at, you know, if we were going to move, what would that do for us? I think those are all things to think through. You know, I think from my perspective, um, if you're going to calve in January, February, you probably need a lot more facilities and equipment and labor than you're going to need you're going to calve in May and June. Just It's just the nature of it. If you get a major winter storm and you've got a lot of cows calving, you've got to have a lot of labor and a lot of uh, buildings and equipment if you're going to be able to handle that very well. We can still get snowstorms in May here in Nebraska, but it's a lot, lot more rare than a January, February scenario. Anything else to mention when it comes to calving, whether it be on the mama side or the calving side or anything else um, that is good for informational purposes and suggestions for our producer listeners. I encourage you to go back and review review the, where you're at this year. I think this year for many people, they're in scenarios they haven't been in for a while. Cows may not be in the condition they'd like them to be. Forage quality may not be where they'd like it to be. Try to you know understand where you're at and to try to be proactive as best you can. Visit with your veterinarian. Again, if you have some health concerns or issues, doing that ahead of time 
is important. So they, you have a good veterinarian client patient relationship. If you've had some disease issues in the past, talking about why those disease issues are happening, not just the treatment of those, I think is important because the old saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is really true. You know, thinking about what can we do to change up our management practices to maybe avoid some of the issues we've had in the past. So those would be things I'd recommend. Um, we have a lot of good resources at the beef.unl.edu website on calving, nutrition. We also have a Beef Watch podcast where we uh, talk a lot about uh, you know topics related to calving right now. So those are all good resources. And uh, hopefully, depending on what your interest is, you can find something there that uh, gets you the information you need. I want to thank my guests for joining me here today on the podcast, Aaron Berger, Extension Educator with the University of Nebraska, based in Kimball, Nebraska. And thank you to everybody for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Lori Boyer.